A-House Civis Broadcasting. Hello, welcome everyone this lovely far. Today is the 27th of Olaroon, and I want to thank you all for joining us today. What an exciting broadcast we have. As always, I'm your host, Silas DeCivis. And I am a Luffy Haskell DeCivis. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this broadcasting of A Chronicle of Echoes. I didn't say it this time because I didn't want you to jinx me. I respect that. Alrighty, so we are going to speak with a changeling fellow today. We've got a handful of a Luffy's ass. And that's all coming up after this news segment. I've got some interesting and quite shocking news from the Sharn Inquisitive. The lead investigator for the Shastron Boromore murder said on FAR that robbery is unlikely to be the sole motivation for the killers. Black and Book Lieutenant Lorana Thinar said that magically aided reconstruction of the crime scene had shown that it was all set afire sometime after the murder took place. It looks like the arson was a failed attempt to cover up the murder. Now, for those who don't know, Shastrin Boromar is the younger brother of Lower Dura Counselor Ilira Boromar, and uh, he was found dead in the burned-out wreckage of a cornerstone tower two weeks ago. Since then, new information has come in just about every day, adding new and gory details to the scene. Last week, authorities disclosed that Shastrun had been beheaded and the head was taken by his killers. Now, the counselor has said that the City Watch will have any and all resources required to bring her brother's killers to justice. And she is quoted saying, We Boromars are a quiet, peaceable clan, and Shastrun was the gentlest of us all. It is my fervent hope that the pain of our mourning will be assuaged by the swift justice brought upon his murderers. Well, Silas, you have quite a few friends who are part of the Boromar clan. I imagine that... I've never had any dealings with the councilwoman or her younger brother. I may have a few ties here and there to Clan Boromore, but they they aren't that that level of relationship at all. And any inclination otherwise uh, seems very unfounded. Oh, well, I was just thinking because, you know, we were invited to dinner that one time. You know, uh, I think... uh, that right now what they need most is to get to the bottom of this, and that's where all of their attention should be focused. Uh, my my heart goes out to the family, and I hope that they get this killer. Killers. Yes, um, my, my apologies. Killers plural, not one killer. Well, that's, that's very kind of you to say. In the past, you've been very adversive to admitting your closeness with the Boromar clan. Uh, again, I, I have very few actual interactions with them, and a, a random cousin or two is not the same as the councilwoman or her former younger brother. Hey, let's jump into those Luffy's asks. Okay, yeah, what do you, what, what do you got for me? Uh, this one says, 
hey, I have yet to hear anything about us shifters. Talking about Forked is all well and good, but what about the rest of us? Shifters, changelings, half-elves, halflings, all important communities within Sharn. Your Echoers are an amazing opportunity to teach people about shifters and our history, as well as the others I mentioned. The more I don't hear about my kind, the more peeved I get. Consider this a reminder to not, at least, seemingly, forget about people. Fox. Oh my goodness. Well, I'm sorry that you feel like we've forgotten about you. Uh, definitely haven't. Uh, we are actually in talks with a prominent shifter figure here in Sharn, um, who will be coming on our show hopefully soon to talk about, well, she's going to talk about the Clifftop Guild, but we'll probably ask her some questions about shifter society. Um, this is something that I personally am very interested in, and I am doing a lot of research a big issue, with me at least, with shifters is that a lot of their traditions are oral traditions. It's not all, like, written down like a lot of stuff. Um, same with changelings and, I guess, warforged. But dwarves as well. There's a lot of oral tradition when it comes to dwarves, especially in the Moorholds. Entirely. It can be really difficult for me to do research into what kinds of questions to ask without sounding racially insensitive, you know, hey, what does it feel like when you shifted to your beast form? Like, that just kind of sounds mean. Or saying, like, hey, how do you like being a little more fuzzy? Like, you're not going to ask that to a bugbear. You're not going to ask that to a shifter. And so I have to make sure that I'm asking questions that aren't going to seem racially insensitive while also conveying the kinds of questions that everyday people have that help us understand that shifters aren't bad people and and they have been systematically not only forgotten but hunted down throughout a lot of their history particularly in Thrain and on Deer even though there's no reason for that and so we definitely are going to be having shifters on in the future. As we have said, Thresher Kane, a wonderful gentleman from last week, is a shifter. Um, and maybe we'll have him on to talk about shifter culture in the future. Or maybe we'll have somebody else on to talk about shifter culture in the future. I think that we should take to heart their request uh, for better halfling representation. Because uh, clearly uh, Kevin has no culture for us to touch on. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> well, you know, I do know someone who runs the the Heritage Center in Little Talenta. So maybe we should ask them in. You know, uh, I'll I send in have a connection or two uh, to members of the Talenta Plains. So, so we'll reach out. We'll see if we can't get some Talenta Plains halflings on to talk about that. But I, I think that we do need... Uh, a representation of more uh, city halflings as well. Because, let's be honest, Sharnian halflings aren't the same at all. I personally would like to reach out and say, I'm sorry that we haven't had representation enough for these smaller groups. And I hope you all can forgive us for our misstep. And I hope that you will enjoy not only today's broadcasting, but future broadcastings as we are... Striving to be more diverse. We are indeed. Well said. Uh, let's continue on, shall we?
Dear Luffy, mm-hmm. I'm the leader of an adventuring guild, and some members of the guild have expressed interest in organizing an expedition into the Mornlands. I understand their desire for answers, as we are all from Sire. But I also have to factor in their safety before approving the venture. Everything I've heard about the current state of the Moorland is troubling. Any suggestion on how I should handle this request? Also, if Silas has a nugget of advice from his adventuring days that I can pass on to the less experienced members, that would be appreciated as well. I enjoy the broadcast and look forward to it each week. Kind regards, Catherine Nightbreeze. Well, Nightbreeze, I think it's important to, first and foremost, stay open with your with your group. Um, talk to them about your feelings on this as well. As we heard from Mr. Kane last week, the Moorland is a is a very dangerous and scary place. It's not the kind of place for adventurers who aren't prepared. Now, that being said, I think that it's a good idea that you start to get some form of closure. It's good to see things and try to move on. Now, if any of you are from Metrol, don't. (laughs) Don't go to Metrol because I've heard that that's where everything is the worst. No, I think that you should stick on the outskirts or maybe instead of delving directly into the Mornland, perhaps just going around it. I've heard things come out of the Mornland and just seeing the things that come out will give you an idea of what's going on on the inside. I've read reports of bodies that look like they've only just died, of horrible, horrible, weird things. Like I said, last week Thresher did give us kind of a brief talk about what the Mornland looks like now, I guess what I would say is just be careful. Nobody wants to see you or your company be hurt. The world needs more heroes, not less of them. A perfectly articulated sentiment. And as for uh, any advice that I have for adventurers, stock up on essentials that you're going to need because when you're in the middle of the jungle or in the middle of a rune, it is terribly difficult to find good mead or any type of liquor, to be quite honest. Well, that's some, not true. Sometimes you can find, like, that really good aged stuff. That's what Papa said. Yeah, that's, but it, it's few and far between. And let's be honest, after watching some of the things that come for you in these different places and fighting them off and losing people and possibly getting nothing out of it, a drink is always welcome. A drink always helps soothe that little bit of sadness and anger and anticipation. All of it goes away very quickly. That explains so much about you. It does. What other advice do you have? Well, uh, your adventuring party doesn't have to be your family. In fact, sometimes keeping distance from them is the best way that you can protect them. Having someone on your adventuring party who you know that you're not a fan of and who doesn't always agree with you and is willing to argue against you and fight for what needs to be done is the best person to bring in with you. I can tell you that right now. So Silas. Yes. I read once. It's an ancient Goshkala secret about how to get through like mazes or labyrinths or like 
places you haven't been before. Ancient Gashkala secret? Yeah. Um, and what is that? Always go left. Well, you, you but you can't always go left. Okay, so you walk into a maze, and yeah. you're going to go left, and then what? And then the next time you've got a choice, you go left. What if that's a dead end? Well, then you turn back around, and then you go left again. Oh, so so then it just works its way through? Yeah. And that is consistent, and that will get you through? Yeah. I mean, uh, it should, unless you're in a... Well, you could do the same thing with the right, then, and you just consistently go to the right, as long as you don't change directions, if you just no, but solidly the, go but the one Gosh way Kala or the other. secret specifically is left. Is okay. left. No. Yeah. I think it has something to do with, like, how the silver flame prefers like left stuff like tiramirin was left-handed a lot of people who like a lot of paladins and clerics that can wield the silver flame are left-handed so i think that that kind of leads to it well that is an interesting uh, bit of advice uh, i have uh, one more piece of advice for adventurers out there and that piece of advice is that you right now listening to us can stand up and walk over to that little table in the corner and speak with our subscribe why don't you tell them about that, Alufi? Well, our subscribe is sitting right next to your Echoer device. If you talk to our subscribe, they will keep you up to date with all of the latest and greatest information about House of its Broadcasting Guild. So that means that whenever any of our new broadcastings go out, you'll be notified, which is really, really cool. Now, in front of us, the subscribe, there is the description pad and the comment pad. If you have any Aloofies asks, if you want to submit an adventure story, if you want to just say just about anything, go ahead and put it in that comment pad. Or you can send us some mail at housecivisbroadcasting at gmail.com. The G stands for no. And while you're looking at the comment pad and the description pad, you'll see all of the cool information about today's broadcasting and who we have on and all of that fun stuff. So I'd appreciate it if you took a look at that and left us a comment and stuff like that. And as always, we have our partnership with House Kunderak in our new Patreon program. You can give us a few coins each month, which will help to keep the Echoers going. And of course, we want to give a special shout out to our most recent patron, Echo Steel. Thank you very much for taking the time to follow us and support the Echoers. So up next, we have our interview with the Chew Salesman. Uh, <laughs> it must be an alias. <laughs> um, so stick around during this short going to go ahead and jump into our interview with um james the shoe salesman right now yes my name is james the shoe salesman after this interview is over however don't go looking for him 
Don't go looking for him or don't go looking for you. And I think you're asking the same question. James, uh, you are a changeling. And as we said earlier, we will be delving into changeling uh, society and culture. So how do you view your uh, personas? Uh, how do I view my personas? Well, yes. Uh, I, if, if I have it correct, um, many changelings view their personas as uh, almost different people. Um, is that... So if you were to take on aspects to look like a half-orc, it wouldn't be James the shoe salesman. It would be someone else, yes? Uh, well... I suppose my personas are like painting. You spend your emotions to put the oil on the canvas, but once it's there, it has a life of its own. So uh, when, when you are a in the persona, uh, you aren't entirely in control? Do you, do you find yourself doing things that you wouldn't normally do with other personas? D does your appetites change? Right. Um, not necessarily. Basic things. Uh, my wants, my desires, they are... Similar. I mean, after all, they are all still me, and my experiences shape what I turn into next. It's not dissimilar to how you do. But I consider the world to be a stage, and I have acted in many parts of it. I'm sure that some of them have boiled together to create the facsimile of a person, but the actions and words that I take are what matters. And in that, as I said, I think we're the same. Uh, you fish a witness for a story so that it can look responsible for your boss, so that you can go home to be a loving partner to the people that you care for. All these identities that you wear as much as I do. I wonder whether or not they think the same. Well, that is an interesting... Uh, I guess because you're right. We do have our stage names that we use, and I can see where you're coming from. You spoke briefly of dropping one of your identities. Do you feel like dropping or giving up on one of those identities is like killing that person? No, no. Just uh, ending it. Uh, the book reaches its final page, and all that's left are the stories. It's not unlike saying goodbye to a friend or a loved one long past. The time that they really die is when their stories stop being told. I think that's why some changelings adopt the same persona, so that even when they are gone from fate or fancy, there's still someone who will keep telling those stories. Well, that, that is uh, profound. I am given a lot of time to think over many th different things. Do, do you, are you a man of the faith? I, I know many say the Traveler is the god related to changelings. Do you feel that yourself? The Traveler is a strange case. He is a member of the Dark Six, the vile gods that would see harm to all of the world. But is he a member because he is evil, or simply because he is unknowable? All of the other gods have stories tied to them detailing who they are, but the Traveler only has one. Beware the gifts of the Traveler. And I think that it describes changeling life very well. If people are too afraid to take hold of the gift, then does it really matter what's actually inside it? Well, as someone who's dealt with someone calling himself the Traveler, I can say that the gifts given usually are rather nefarious. Does one of your personas have religious ties? Does that, does that affect you? Yeah, it affects who I become. Uh, when I transform change, however you choose to word it, into someone of a religious background. It gives me better insight onto those people who have faith as their whole being. I don't think I can fully understand it, but I think I can understand it better than most. Someone devotes themselves entirely to the concept of a thing that might not even recognize that it lives. But 
I, as I said, I think I'm just giving an act. Transforming into a clergyman is the least like transforming into a real person. I cannot devote myself when I cannot even devote myself to a single person. Do you feel that being a changeling prevents you from being able to open up to other people? Do you have a close network of friends who know that you are, in fact, a changeling? People learn a lot of things on the road. Secrets of a way of coming out. Who knows? Maybe uh, I have met a changeling that I don't know about. Maybe someone in my life has discovered what I am. It's funny to think about. Not much use in practice. I apologize if this seems like a, a weird question. Um, but... Did you learn how to change your appearance, like, naturally? Or was it taught to you by a parent or mentor or, or anything like that? <laughs> I almost find it hard to believe that I didn't ever know how to do it. It's like learning how to talk. It starts small, with the hands, usually. It's something you can see. But then you know that you've done it successfully when someone is looking at you strangely. The stare as they try to figure out if what they're looking at is actually what they believe it to be. I think the first time I ever changed was when I was very small. A goblin had come into the village looking to sell their wares, and I had never seen one before, so I was very curious as to how it must have felt to be so wrinkly, with skin that stretches over their long ears, and filled with a shade of green that spread like ink and water. So imagine my surprise when a man tried to shake me down later for selling him fake goods. I don't think I'll ever forget that stare. It's normally fine. Normally, the stares are confusion, but sometimes they're happier. Although, a face of recognition for them usually means that I have to put more work into my persona. So, you didn't have your parents there to help you, you just felt it and learned it. Would you want your children to be open about being a changeling? Uh, open? No, I think that's impossible. To be a changeling is to shift and learn and grow in ways that other people weren't gifted to experience. People will always be averse to that. And even if you've shown your blank slate, what would it do? It's, it would be like watching sand on a beach as the water recedes back into the ocean. There's nothing to learn from it, and soon enough the water will be back, and as the waves crash, you'll think no more about the sand. So, do you think that um, there will ever be a time where uh, changelings such as yourself will feel more comfortable being, I mean, their true self in uh, society, in public? Yeah, that's, um, that's the wrong question, I think. I am never in a form unlike myself. When I change, it is who I am, never someone else. But if you are wondering if I will ever feel safe, Walking the streets, wearing my first face. Well, how comfortable would you be, knowing that I could wear yours? So, I can understand how disconcerting it must be for people to see a changeling wearing their... I, I imagine I would not take that well. But a warforge can cut you down, and that can be scary. And Kalishtar can get into people's minds, and that can also be scary. But having them out in the open makes it easier for us to accept who they are. Don't you feel that that would be the same as a changeling, revealing your true self? And over time, it would be easier for us to see and know you and then accept. You already do. I don't think you understand. I walk about the streets as the person that I am then, the person I will always be. I simply look different. You won't ever know how different I look, but I go to stores I visit friends, 
and I cry and cheer for all of the same things that you do. No, I don't think that there is a benefit of revealing a slate when there is no benefit to me for wearing that. I do know that there are uh, some changelings who um, think that it's it's better to show their 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 first face, as you say, as opposed to always wearing some form of, for, for lack of a better term, mask. Um, how do you feel about that frame of mind? Toxicity, no. The benefit of our gift is our frame of mind, as you put it, can be reframed quite easily. If there is a conglomeration of changelings that live their lives as a community, then more power to those changelings. If, however, they choose one day to abandon that role, they have all of the free power that they could want. The village could disappear, they could all go their separate ways, or they could all travel together and change, and no one would ever know what they used to be. It's freeing, but it means that no matter what form their lives take, one could see it as plain pretend, or one could see that pretense as being their entire life. What kind of habits have you picked up from one of the identities that you may have regretted becoming? That is an interesting question. Uh, changing identities is like putting on a costume. When I slip into my dress, my brain clicks all of the right gears into place almost like the skin has a life of its own. But I suppose that the experiences are harder to shake from one to another. If, for instance, if a farmer finds himself pushed off of his lands by Karnath's skeleton warriors, then perhaps... Later on, a circus performer may pause at the sound of bones. Becoming different people, uh, as you've just said, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that um, you you uh, change all of your, your likes and, and dislikes. So what is um, something that you tend to do in your spare time, regardless of the name or face you may have? I like to read. People are often cagey about their experiences unless you're shifted into somebody they like, and even then, it's an invasion of privacy. But those people, those cagey people, they don't seem to feel the same way about books. Who's your favorite author? Uh, there was a man who lived in a small house. Mm -hmm. Eventually, that man stopped living there, but he left his belongings. There was a housekeeper that cleared away all of the things that he left behind. One of those things was a book. I think that man was a great author. With all of the loneliness that comes from not being able to make those long-term connections and living so many different lives, how do you cope? I don't understand the question. Well, there's a lot of loneliness, I'm sure, in not being able to open up to people. And then the societal pressures of being a changeling and being told that that is bad, all of which I'm sure doesn't make going through your day-to-day -day easy. Uh, do, uh, how do you let off steam? How do you cope with society today? Uh, I, a man, a man is busy. A man works for a very, very long time and eventually makes his way back home to his wife and children. And he does so every day, over and over, and the job wears on him. And he 
goes to his friends and his family so that he can cope. He tells secrets to people who he won't see again, just so that the words can be out in the world. And if those words make their way back to the man, well, he could always have been the wife. Well, <clears throat> so it's that easy for you, just switching, just changing, just being. Do, do you have any sort of remorse for the lies that you leave in your wake when you stop being the man? It's easy to forget when I transform into a sailor and go off outside of Corvair and into places unknown. The sailor doesn't have regrets, or maybe they do, but not the same one as mine. And so it is easy to forget the problems that one might have when they slip into a new role, and after all, who is going to question them? <sighs> but then, perhaps, I hear all the stories that other sailors have, the reasons why they're on the boat, the regrets that they are willfully leaving behind, and I have to ask myself, does it make me more like a normal human or elf or dwarf to run away from the problems that I leave behind? It's very easy for a lot of people to be able to recognize uh, other people of uh, the same trade or craft or uh, race or religion. Um, so do you feel like you have a better insight at discerning other changelings? Is that something that you've sought out in the past? Oh, if only. The hardest part about finding a foothold to make a connection is finding somebody in the first place. It's like trying to find a needle in a haystack, but the haystack is always on the move, and the knee and the needle isn't very fond of you either. Why would it be? You might just be hay. <laughs> I really like that analogy. <laughs> I I do too, but uh, then uh, it feels kind of lonely. Sad, yes. I don't know. If I meet you again, James, but you're not James anymore, I hope that we can still be friends. And I would like to firmly offer you the opportunity to come on again. Uh, we'll, we'll speak after we're off the airwaves, and we'll give you a code word that you can give to anyone at House Civis if you'd like to come back on. There's a saying, may you find many friends, but loneliness, no. I think you are worried about this trait that we all share. Loneliness, perhaps. There is one thing I would like. If I could meet another changeling, then I could talk to them about the one thing that we have in common that no one else can fully understand. The ability to live so many lives provides so many opportunities to see things in new perspectives, but outside of that, there are magicians that can transform their bodies at will, and there are many other more exotic powers and forces at work. I am not lonely. In fact, I feel I am closer to the world than many others can hope to be. I didn't expect our interview to be so profound. Uh, I, we, we know one other changeling who is the absolute worst, and uh, I wouldn't consider to be a beacon of changeling society in any way, shape, or form. She's the worst. But if you are listening and you are a changeling and you would like to reach out to James, please speak with our subscribe and he'll make sure that we get that message through that comment pad and we will deliver that to James as best we can because I, I don't think that anyone should be without a people. As the Warforger slowly finding their way in the world, as Sire is rebuilding, I think that all people should come together now. The Warforged. It is them that we should feel loneliness for. Displaced in a world where they cannot easily escape. I hope 
that they find many friends as well. So I have found that Warforged tend not to be as lonely. I feel that they can easily fit into any situation because they don't display their emotions. I think a lot of people are uncomfortable with them because of the actions during the last war. But uh, speaking of the last war, um, what what did you do during that? Who, who did you fight for? Where were your loyalties? Missing no one. The last war didn't affect me. Or if it did, I glided through it. It's easy to be a refugee when you can simply stop looking like a foreigner. Th- that does make it easier for you. I, I know that that may be more comfortable for you. But for people like us, I know that we've had our run-ins with shape changers before, and, and that can be disconcerting for other people. That, that How do you view other shape changers? Uh, Rakshasa, actually doppelgangers in particular, There, there's a blight of them as well. A blight? No, they're ancestors, mostly. Like a story that was told wrong, and now everybody keeps repeating it. They have a harder time slipping into normal society than we do, and it doesn't help that when people want to see a monster, doppelgangers give them the chance. Now that everyone is on edge, not knowing who to trust after the last war, it makes the steel slip more easily from the scabbard, and then it gets pointed at all of us. There are some scholars in uh, Morgrave and um, Arcanics who believe that um, it's actually the other way around, that... uh, changelings um, were the progenitors of, of, of doppelgangers, that perhaps they are some form of altered kind of dolgrim type of... Oh, like like shifters and werewolves, how those two. Exactly. Oh, okay. How do you feel about um, those notions, that uh, these doppelgangers are actually from your kind and not the other way around? Nonsense. Whoever wrote that clearly has uh, little understanding of the world, as I do. Well, you definitely do seem like you uh, you know quite a bit about the world, and I'm going to use your, your saying, and, well, I hope all of our listeners find many friends. Uh, I, I think we did. I think we've made a new friend here with uh, James. Uh, well, James, uh, the shoe salesman, Uh, Thank you so much for coming on and talking about uh, what it is to be a changeling. Oh, of course. I quite enjoy sitting in echoer interviews to ease the minds of sensible civis listeners. And for everybody listening, uh, especially you changelings out there that might be feeling a little bit lonely, just remember to listen out for those echoes of hope.